Good evening. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Simon Brown, joining me to unpack your stock-related questions this evening. Chris Reddy from All Weather Capital and Zulakim Guni from Benguela Global Fund Managers. Please be sure to send those questions through SMS 41392. Email stockwatch at, at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag stockwatch. Gents, appreciate the time today, this evening. Uh, let's start with transaction capital. Stock up some 7% in the market today. So tons of questions. Zulaki, let's start with you because the last time you and I chatted, which was between the update but before the results, you weren't impressed with transaction capital. Any change, any opportunity, or best left alone? No, not, not change. I think uh, in most cases, if uh, uh, management uh, violates your trust, I think uh, it's always safe to stay on the sidelines uh, until more evidence has come through that shows you that uh, there is a big change. I'm not convinced that uh, we've seen enough yet but yeah, I mean the stock looks uh, is at a level where it might start to look uh, look like it's offering value, but I wouldn't be uh, investing in it until I get comfort about management. Chris, your take on transaction? I mean, certainly management have have, if I want to be polite, disappointed the market. Do you think there's value there, is opportunity, or best left alone for now? Sarah, I think one of the key questions that we need to get answered on on TCP is just the ability to refinance the debt across the various divisions. More so importantly, I think, on the SA taxi side. You know, I think we've seen the announcement of the standing bank transaction that they've done with um, uh, with the We Buy Cars leg to try and get more sales origination done on that on that side of the business. But I think there's, there's quite a few lenders on both sides of, of uh, SA taxi as well as We Buy Cars. So it'll be difficult for for them to be in payments on, say, say taxi, that's going to impact the same lenders, lender group on We Buy Cars. So until we get some clarification around the ability for the business to refi the upcoming maturities <clears throat> and then fund growth going forward, I think that's the number one question that many people are focusing on. I mean, operationally, we saw the, we saw some uh, vehicle sales coming out through day, today. I yeah. mean, it was ahead of expectation. So there is still activity on the We Buy Cars leg. Uh, I think it's a taxi is just the, the key question that many people are focusing on. Yeah. Uh, I I think, uh, Simon, I'd like to add something there to, to what Chris uh, uh, saying. Uh, I think the one thing about that uh, uh, we buy cars that I don't think we, we, we're paying enough attention to is the issue of uh, inventories building up in the in that division. And that division, I mean, I've, I've noticed how they tend to drive the purchases at bargain prices from their sellers. But then they, they started to move it because the interest rates are high. I certainly think that that could be the next uh, uh, problem area. SA Tax is well known. The challenges are out in the market. But I don't know if the We Buy Cars uh, inventory situation could be resolved uh, anytime soon. Uh, and that would be my, my other concern. Okay, now I take that point as well. A couple of questions coming through around NAMPAC. Uh, so, Rocky, let's stay with you for a moment. Uh, this has been a fair bit of disaster. They'd at least have new management in place, so we can't blame the existing CEO. They've got uh, shareholder approval for a rights issue of up to a capital raise of up to a, a billion rand. Is NAMPAC opportunity or is this really <laughs> catching falling nerves? I think you have to ask yourself, uh, what is the competitive advantage of NAMPEC? I mean, they, they're getting uh, competed away, and for the last, I don't know, 15 years, they've struggled to create value for shareholders. And if they did manage to, to have one year's big earnings, I mean, it, it's it's just a, a flash in the pan, and then it disappears. I'm not convinced that NAMPEC is a stock that 
I'll be investing in anytime soon. I think I think the the it's a perennial value destroyer, and you can bring in money, good management. But I think they've lost a competitive advantage, and that is the real uh, dark area where they need to 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 look at. Chris, your take, I mean, the other thing, I mean, back in the olden days, I was always taught packaging companies need GDP growth. Well, we're not seeing any of that. Do you see any opportunity in NAMPAC? Again, I think another key question that we need to look at is this, the, is the current size of the rights issue sufficient to be able to sort out that balance sheet? I think in the past, we, what we have seen with some of the smaller cap shares is that hasn't been the case. Uh, but I mean, I think Adrian and the team uh, do back themselves to be able to turn this business around with the new management that's been brought in place there now. Um, yeah, but uh, yeah, I, mean, I think just outside of that, I, I just think w with rights issues, I mean, you always have to be cautious around, is it going to be enough first time around yeah. to be able to, to be able to cure that balance sheet, let alone whatever's happening with the operating conditions, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you've seen Avenge, Avenge and the likes, maybe that's not the best examples as a pure comp. But that hasn't worked out too, you know? Yeah, well. as opposed to Omnia, who did a giant rights issue, which was more than enough and did work far too often. The management kind of go cheap and then they got to come back at another point. Staying with packaging to a degree, question coming through around Caxton versus Impact. And of course, there's some uh, boardroom bust-ups happening between the two boards there. Chris, let's stay with you for a moment. Caxton, Impact, do you see opportunity in either of those two? Uh, certainly Caxton, very illiquid. That's the thing I was going to say, Simon. Unfortunately, I mean, given the, the, the illiquid nature of both of them, it's not ones that are on our radar, uh, unfortunately. So no. I can't comment too much on it. So, Rocky, do you attract them either? I mean, they're not liquid stocks by any stretch. Yeah, they're not liquid stocks. But I'd probably say if I had to choose uh, one of them, I'd probably go with Impact. Uh, I, I think the, the business has tried so hard to lower their input costs by having recycling as a major component of their business. I certainly think that uh, it's, it's, a, it's a business that could uh, pe perform better in the long term if we take away the corporate challenges that they are faced with. Okay, now I'll take a point on that. Uh, British American Tobacco, question coming through. Uh, is this worth a look at for sterling dividends? So, Rocky, a, I mean, some folks won't invest. They'll have moral issues on tobacco. Fair enough. Uh, for those who don't, I mean, the share price is never very thrilling, but the dividend's fairly nice, and it is a, a sterling-dominated uh, dividend. Yeah, I, I think you, you probably have benefited to some extent from a weaker rent. Uh, just on, on translation, I think that the question is now uh, going forward. I mean, what's been the main driver in that business has been the pricing power that they have. Uh, I do think that uh, they will probably be able to continue growing their, their dividends, but I don't know if uh, the rent would be would remain favorable. I mean, if the, the, the noise around the dollar comes through where uh, there are some transactions that start uh, uh, being traded outside of the dollar. You might see dollar weakness, and that might mean that uh, you are seeing uh, some of the translation gains uh, being lost. Okay, yeah, so the dividend statement's sterling, but we get less exciting in, in Zar. Chris, your take on, on British American tobacco? I mean, I think I agree with your, your points around just the, the strong um, hard currency dividend yield that you're getting there with sterling. Yeah, the, the one thing we are watching, though, Simon, is just the increased competition coming through from... Uh, some of the Chinese uh, peers in that market. So, I mean, they are losing market share in some of the key markets. There's always the tail risk of some kind of regulatory fine that comes on board. But I think, <laughs> I think of late, though, it has been a positive outcome for them in 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 the U.S., for example. But um, the the lack of market share growth is a concern. I mean, they have tilted towards the 
like the vaping or like the heat not burn type of products. So that's yeah. been that's been positive for them. But I'm just mindful of the increased competition in, in some of their, their, their core markets. Yeah, and that, 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 that non-combustible, that's the phrase they use. Still early days Correct. there. A couple of questions coming through about Sabanya Stillwater. The one question is, when will it finally bottom? I'm not going to throw that one out there because no one knows until <laughs> afterwards. Uh, Chris, let's stay with you. Uh, is Sabanya Stillwater, I mean, our platinum stocks have had a horror start to the year across the board. We always get tons of questions around them. This time, particularly Sabanya, which of course is it's platinum, it, it's palladium. It's also got some, some gold assets in there as well. Yeah. Look, I mean, optically, Sabanya's screen is cheap. If you just look at where the share price has come off from, from previous highs, I think the key thing to do is you need to pull a chart of what palladium has actually done. And it's tracked it like almost 100% to what Sabanya has done. So until we get some kind of support <clears> for the metals, it is going to be a challenge for all these PGMs. I think the key concern that we've got is just where is that demand going to come through? I mean, we had hope of some kind of supply crunch coming through from, from Eskom to, to, to at least pull out some kind of uh, volumes from, from yeah. the market. Uh, the auto volumes have been positive. But I mean, the other thing I'd be watching as well is are you actually getting increased loading coming through on the vehicles that actually also is a big demand driver uh, for PGMs? I mean, I think, I think the one thing to monitor as well, I mean, I've just come back from Europe and what we don't fully appreciate is just the growth, the rapid growth of EVs in Europe and in China. I think both these markets make up almost 85% of EV demand. And it's it's staggering to see the amount of cars that actually have EV or the take up in Europe and China on these EV vehicles, which is potentially going to be negative uh, down the line for, for the PGMs. Yeah, here in Joburg, South Africa, seeing an EV is uh, you know, something of note, your point. But as you say, in Europe, it's just common. So lucky, uh, Sabanya, Stillwater? Look, I think their long-term strategy, I mean, in terms of the metals that they are positioned in, is positive. I think currently they need to try and preserve their, their figure flows. And I'm not sure. I mean, I, I do think uh, that the, the price has come down quite a lot. And it may start uh, putting their gold operations uh, at risk. But I, I certainly think that uh, the, 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 the business long-term strategy, the commodities that they want to play in, as they call them, the green metals. I think those have a positive outlook and a place into the EV market. But I think the combustible side, I think they, they're probably a bit more vulnerable, uh, as Chris said, in the, in the uh, palladium side. Uh, question coming through around AstraZeneca, uh, why the price was off. Chris, you're saying that there was some, they've got a, a, I think it's a lung cancer drug, which is, isn't performing as well as expected. Yeah, so I think it was related to uh, an approval that didn't come through on one of the, the cancer drugs that, that led to the share coming off, I think, at 5% odd at some points uh, today. Okay, now that does make some sense. Those, those approvals, a lot hinges on those. Let's stay with, with Pharma. Chris, let's stay with you. Question coming through around Aspen. Uh, it, it's actually had a, it's quietly had a fairly good year. Um, yeah, I was looking at, at year to date so far uh, early this morning. Your take on, on, on Aspen? Look, I think the share has had a good uh, run of late just off the announcement of the various um, uh, deals that the company was awarded. Uh, I think the, the thing to note, though, is that a lot of these uh, these deals are quite back-ended uh, with, the, with the cash flows only kicking in, 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 in a while from now. But I think what got the market excited was just the, the margins as well, or the margin guidance that was given by by the team around some of these uh, these announcements. So I think that's what probably led to that boost. I mean, obviously it's a rand hedge as well, given what's happened with the currency. But I think uh, we are still waiting for a bit more detail in terms of uh, those those 
those deals that were announced uh, when they do uh, report here. But I think that was the key driver around the move that we've seen here to date in Aspen. Yeah, I remember that the, the, there was light on information. I mean, there were nice looking deals, but not a, not a lot of information and, and no numbers at all. So, Lucky, your take on Aspen? Yeah, I also agree. I think, I think it's run hard a bit. Uh, I'll probably uh, be waiting on the sidelines to see if uh, there could be an opportunity or a pullback to, to basically uh, get involved again. Charles is asking around leisure stocks, and his, his question is, is, uh, is there opportunity here? He's concerned around a, a, a local consumer who's under pressure. Of course, a lot of our foreign travelers are from the UK, and while the UK is not any prettier, well, not much than it is right now here. Uh, Zoraki, leisure stocks, I mean, what, there's, there's City Lodge, there's Soho Sun Gaming, there's Sun International. It's not a very big uh, basket. Anything there that, that interests you? Look, I'll, I'll probably uh, try and stay with the simpler one. Probably the the city lodge uh, uh, portfolio. I think I think there is, I mean, still scope to increase capacity utilization there. Uh, so I, I think if they can get a bit more capacity utilization, they might do better. But there is also concern, as you say, around the travelers. But they generally skew towards their business traveler. And unless we see a worsening economic environment. I'd still probably uh, be in favor of that one relative to others. Okay, such a large. Chris, have you got a, a preference in the leisure space? Just a couple of things to add. I mean, having kicked the tires at a few of those resorts and international ones you can see in you know, uh, Times Square in Pretoria and even been to Cape Town more recently, it does seem as if the, the, the actual uh, facilities are performing very well. We saw the City Lodge update with very high or good, good improvements in the occupancy rates. Um, and then when you look at what the currency has done, I mean, South Africa is a super uh, affordable destination for, for foreigners to start coming through. I mean, if you look at this airline uh, flights coming through from foreigners, um, it's, still, it's still getting back to like pre-COVID levels. So I think that will be supportive. I think you've got to be selective as well in terms of the regions. Uh, I suspect Cape Town is still performing very well. You saw growth points, uh, yeah. numbers around tourism and what's happening with the waterfront. And then if you just try to book accommodation in Sun City, you're probably going to struggle over there as well. So that's a nice read through into Sun International. So I think you've got to be selective from the regions. KZN, we're still not too sure about what's happening there with regards to the water and the like. So maybe uh, a bit of challenges in that region, but Houting and, and, and Western Cape still to be still to be performing quite well. It doesn't seem as if the casinos are struggling as well, having seen what's happening in, in Montes over the weekend, but that could have just been month end uh, busyness. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Everyone out there for the month then. Ricky's asking, he's got some, some uh, uh, property ETFs, uh, local REIT ETFs. He says he's down about 15% in total. Uh, Chris, would you be interested in property right now or is it still too early? We're getting nice yields. Office remains a disaster. Uh, no real surprise there. Is this a space that you would hold on to or even look at or are you staying away? So, I mean, you know, so my, top, my stock pick last week was actually really fine. That's and right. I think, unfortunately, with property, uh, it has come off in line tracking with what's happening with the bond yields. That's the one factor. And then we're still seeing some softness in, in, the, in certain segments of the office market because it's, say, for example, oversupplied in, in the Santon region. So, unfortunately, when, you, when you're comparing at 11.5-12% government bond yield versus a similar type of yield, even lower yield, where you're not guaranteed that you're going to get some growth out of the REIT distribution, uh, that does become a bit of a challenge for the, for the overall sector. That being said, property has been under pressure globally as well. If you're looking at what's happening in the office market out of the U.S. and even Europe, working from home is becoming a bigger and bigger driver. We saw news out of 
the UK over the weekend at HSBC is actually leaving Canary Wharf and going back into yeah. the city of London as well. So I think that's quite a big outcome there. But I mean, we are. That being said, though, we are still finding pockets of opportunity in the local market. I think Hyprop came out with a good yeah. uh, pre-close uh, comment last week Thursday. Operationally, they're still they're performing uh, quite well in the malls. The rental reversions on the retail side is actually is actually becoming less bad or less negative. So that is that's a, that's a positive for them. They're still seeing good demand for their malls as well, and trading density is also picking up. So I think you've got to be quite selective. I mean, again, just, back, just the general rule of backing good management teams, we've seen what Attack has done with the GEPF transaction in Waterfall as well. So again, I think back to basics with location, a good asset that's still trading well, and you've got uh, good uh, tenants in the mall, and, and you treat them well, you know. Yeah, yeah, and offers all the problems. Well, key property, is it a space? I mean, certainly they're cheap by metrics, but of course uh, they, they can be cheaper. And, and, and some of those valuations, particularly on property, might be coming down at some point. I mean, uh, office remains a ch the, the, the challenge. Look, uh, I agree. I, mean, I think office is a big challenge, but mm -hmm. on, on top of that, I think I'd be a bit more cautious until we see uh, the peaking of rates, and uh, I think you're probably going to have to watch the rates uh, uh, at this current level because a lot of them are indebted and have tried to manage their balance sheet by selling their assets. But I think it's something that uh, I'll be cautious about. And globally, what we've done is we've looked at the property management services rather than property companies. So we've steered clear of the companies themselves that, that actually own the physical properties, but they gather render services to them. And I think that has worked well for us so far. Okay, yeah, I take that. The, 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 the managers, so you don't have that risk of the assets, of the debts, uh, and, and, and yeah. everything else they're, they're coming through. Uh, as working staying with you, I mean, we touched on uh, rebuy cars with transaction capital. Question coming through around Motus. Uh, as you said, vehicle sales, perhaps a little better than thought, um, but it's tough out there for, for vehicle sales, new or secondhand. Motus, the stock on your radar? Look, we have looked at motors. Uh, I mean, I think you probably have to look through the cycle if you want to buy. But I think where we are in the interest rate cycle, I think you could be vulnerable in the next 12 months that you, you might actually not see any uh, meaningful return. So you have to look through the cycle. Uh, and certainly all the, the, the vehicle sector, uh, uh, Zeta as well, you're probably going to have to look through the cycle if you want to, to, to buy into them. But I think currently you're probably going to be under pressure. Chris, motors. It is one that we've looked at in the past. I mean, optically, it's still, it's, it still does screen um, offering value. I mean, there was a good yeah. buyback as well that supported the share in the past. Um, so that is something to consider. But maybe the one way to play it as well is like what Zulaki is doing on the property side. You play vehicle parts, for example, you know, and, and that autos segment as well. So like what you've seen with Invicta and even Hudeco, for example. I mean, that probably is a bit more defensive way of getting exposure into that auto segment. Yeah, okay. That's, I, I like that. I, this is a cunning idea. I'm going to give more thought to the... <laughs> don't get the company, get the folks who are sort of supplying into it. Uh, question coming through around MTN or Vodacom, or perhaps neither, or perhaps both. Chris, in the olden days, it was quite easy. Vodacom was the big dividend player. MTN was the nice and more sort of risky one with all its emerging markets. That's shifted a bit. Either the telco is attractive? Me? Oh, yeah, sorry, sorry Chris. Oh, sorry. Okay, go. Uh, just on MTN, I mean, uh, obviously the bigger news, big news of late has been the Nigeria devaluation, uh, Naira devaluation. Yep. So that short term is going to be a negative in terms of just the higher operating costs that they're going to experience, some devaluation on some of the assets. Uh, but we do think that longer term it is going to be positive. 
to bring back capital into that market, which is potentially going to be positive for MTN further like down the line. It is going to be margin dilutive initially, but I think many investors are looking past that initial pain into the fresh capital flows that are coming into that market um, to support the share. On Vodacom, I mean, I think uh, similar good dividend payoff late. Um, I think what's on investors' minds at the moment is what does Vodafone do with their large stake that they've that they've got in in Vodacom, which has actually increased post the Egypt transaction. Uh, so that is something to monitor. I mean, in the local front, they are under quite a bit of pressure in terms of just increased competition as well. So uh, that is something just to, uh, as a negative potentially for Vodacom. So, Rocky, either of them attractive to you? I'm looking at that, that uh, narrow round. I mean, yo, what, from 30-odd to 40-odd. That, that did happen in a flash. But it's, it's what the new president in Nigeria was promising. Either of them attractive to you or, or, or both best left alone, or perhaps both of them? Yeah, I think the sidelines at this stage, uh, Chris, uh, 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 Sam, I think, I think if we look at the, the, the Naira situation, I, I'm convinced that it's, it will create a lot of pain. I mean, all these companies have lost their pricing power to be quite honest. And, and yeah. what you can see, even on the data side, they are pushing volume and each time they're getting, uh, they're having to, to discount the price. Uh, on the data side as well. So you actually have to manage your cost and bring your costs down. But when you have things like um, power outages that drive fuel costs uh, into the picture, you may actually struggle to get that uh, benefit of a uh, lower cost. So I'd stay on the sideline on both. Okay, so staying away from both. Uh, let's go to uh, stock picks. Uh, Chris, we've got a, a minute and a half each. You're going with uh, Thungela, Cole. Yeah, I'm going back to an, to an old favorite of ours. Um, Tungela. I mean, the share price has come off quite a bit of late. I think it has tracked what's happened with coal prices uh, post the Russian invasion and, and the spike that we saw last year with coal. Uh, obviously, Tungela, similar to Exara, has got the, the transnet challenges of actually getting the coal to the port and then exporting it. Um, the reason we chose it is that we are seeing incrementally positive news coming out of, for example, natural gas prices uh, internationally. That's typically been a good... Uh, uh, data point to look at what's going to happen then to coal. Uh, if you look at the key export markets from together being Asia, so India and China, they've also been ramping up their coal production uh, or new coal plant uh, um, yeah. uh, that have been that have been produced or developed just to make sure that they've got energy security. I don't think anybody wants to have blackouts in this environment. So <laughs> I think that is going to be supportive for, for Tungela. The coal price has started to get some kind of lift of late. I mean, you're seeing it's up about 4% in, in the recent while. Uh, and with Tungela yeah. at 140 Rand, you're potentially looking at about a 30 to 40 Rand dividend, depending on the payout ratio that they apply to the excess cash. The business has expanded into Australia. They've put in more capex to, to increase the life of mine on the SA side. And I think that Transnet is getting the necessary attention from a government point of view to make sure that we can get back up to that uh, north of 50 million tons that, that, that is uh, railed. Yeah, so I think incremental begins a positive news coming through. Yeah, get some tonnage out of the Richards Bay coal terminal. So, Lucky, you're going yep. with uh, you off to South Korea for your stock pick. I've never had a stock from South Korea. <laughs> Look, South Korea is coming through in a lot of screens if you, if you run double screens. And they seem to be uh, having incrementally more uh, high quality or decent quality businesses. And I'm going with a company called LIG Next One. Uh, it's a defense company that has been a contractor with the Ministry of Defense in Korea for many, many years. 
is starting to supply a number of other countries outside South Africa, but it's got essentially two components in it. Uh, one is where they do the R&D uh, for, for the ministry, and that gets paid in advance. And then secondly, once they've successfully created a product, they manufacture those. And those products range in, 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 in terms of what they are, and it's precision guarded munition and uh, uh, electronic warfare and uh, other uh, devices like radars. Uh, the the point about it is that we are going to a world where there is a lot of uncertainty around the I mean could North Korea attack South Korea yeah. could China and, and and the US get into a battle and, and that creates demand for defense budget to to be uh, uh, increased and certainly that's one way of playing the the kind of uh, bad situations that's happening around the, the world so certainly I stop that is very attractive. Uh, relative to the Lockheed Martin and North of of the of the U.S. Okay, no, it's a, it's a good argument. Do we leave it there? We're out of time. That's all for Stockwatch this evening. Thanks to our guests, Chris Reddy from All Weather Capitals, Rocky Guinea from Minguela Global Fund Managers. Up next, the close with Bloomberg. Stay watching.